If you've got your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. This morning we looked in Isaiah, earlier today we looked in Isaiah, at uh, his prophecies concerning uh, the birth of our Savior, his life, his early life, his uh, ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Well, today, this, uh, this service, I'd like us to look at some things that happened on Resurrection Day, because that's what we're, we're commemorating today, that's what we're celebrating today. We live in uh, very difficult times. Would you agree with that statement? We live in times of economic gloom. Uh, you, you hear the news reports, you look at news, it's just, yeah. Uh, it just makes you want to frown, doesn't it? There's increasingly oppressive government policies that we're having to deal with now. We, most anybody you talk to, most anyone I talk to would tell me that they don't trust any politician. I tend to agree with that statement. I wish we had some statesmen who represented us, but politicians are they're corrupt. There's open attacks on Christianity around, aren't there? There are people in the world who are dying because of their faith, for no other reason, just because of their faith. There are people who are persecuted because of their faith. And I'm not talking about they're being just made fun of because they wear a tie that has a cross on it or something. I'm talking about people who are truly being persecuted because of their faith. They're being oppressed. And there's a genuine persecution all around the world of people who name the name of Christ. And there's open sin to an extent that I don't ever remember it in my lifetime. And the sad thing is there's open sin even among people who profess to be Christians in many cases. And that is a very sad commentary on the society we live in in the day that we live in. But it's, it's, it's really downright depressing. And because of that, it comes into the church sometimes and we find that, that we lose our zeal sometimes, don't we? We come in and it, it, sometimes if you listen to just to prayer requests sometimes, you can, you can see just how down we can get as Christians. It's just depressing. Like, uh, and we think to ourselves, on a day like this, this is Resurrection Day. We serve a risen Savior. We don't need to be getting down quite to the extent that we do, do we? Because we have something to look forward to, and yet it still comes across... The, the world seeps into our lives to the point where as a church we lose our zeal, we, we tend to lose our fervor, we've lost a lot of our excitement sometimes. We ought to be excited people, shouldn't we? I remember hearing old timers, and that, that sounds funny coming from somebody as old as me, the ancient ones used to say things like, when someone would get saved, he was so excited he's going to heaven if he doesn't run past it. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, that... That's, a, that, that's to be expected when someone knows that their sins have been forgiven. But we can lose that excitement. Essentially what it comes down to is as a church, if we're not careful, we can lose the fire in our hearts, can't we? Because the Lord can put that fire in us. And, and when you're first saved and you realize, I was facing an eternity in the lake of fire and I deserved it and God saved me and I didn't deserve that. That will put a fire in your heart, won't it? But we can lose that sometime. It's happened before, too. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at a story of some of Jesus' disciples who, at least for a time, they lost the fire of their faith. And the Lord had an answer for that. And He has an answer for rekindling the fire in us as well. So we're going to look here in Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 13 through 35. These are probably uh, very familiar to most of you. Starting in verse 13, it says, Behold, two of them, that is, two of Jesus' disciples. Remember now, this, this is happening on the day of Jesus' resurrection. This is probably sometime maybe in the early afternoon hours of that day. 
And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, well, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and uh, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found that even so as the women had said. But him, that is Jesus, they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh to the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat to meet with them, he took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together. That's the eleven apostles. And then there were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these events that are recorded here in Luke's uh, gospel for us. Uh, two disciples of the Lord Jesus who, uh, for a time, uh, it seemed they had, uh, they had succumbed to uh, despair, discouragement. They left the area of Jerusalem. It was Resurrection Day, a day when they should have been, uh, they had all the reason in the world to be happy, joyous, excited, with a fire burning in their, in their hearts. And yet, they would taken their eyes off the Lord Jesus and off His promises. And now, for a time, they're, they're discouraged and they're going back, apparently, to their hometown of Emmaus. And Father, we thank You for... Uh, the fact that the Lord Jesus came alongside them and He ministered to them. And we'll look at that a little bit here. And we pray that as we do so, that you'd open our hearts to see what uh, you have for us in these verses. We know this is your word. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would teach us from it, that you'd be glorified as we look into this passage together. Guide us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here they are. They're, they're in Jerusalem. It's Resurrection Day. They're very discouraged. They've, uh, the Lord has gone through His crucifixion. Uh, he's died. They've buried him in the tomb. We talked about that this morning. But here it is, Resurrection Day, and they've got a story. Uh, they've got some information, shall we say, and they're processing it. But they haven't fully understood the meaning of it yet. So they're discouraged and they're headed home. They left Jerusalem and they're headed back to the village of Emmaus. We see that in verse 13. It says it was 60 furlongs. That in our 
reckoning of measurement is about seven miles. So it's not a bad trip. They can, they can walk that in a day, two healthy adults. I'm not going to guarantee I would walk that seven miles in a day. I might pull it off. But anyway, verse 14 says, As they went along, they were discussing the recent events. They were talking about Jesus, the things they knew about Him. Can you imagine that? They talked about His ministry, how He had, he had reached out to all the people around. Again, as we talked about this morning, He reached out to everyone. It didn't matter who they were. He welcomed them. He taught them. He taught them the, the Word of God. He gave them original teachings. And He spoke as one having authority because He could, he could uh, teach things that no one else had ever taught them. They talked about, I'm sure, His miracles. If they had been disciples of His long, they'd seen plenty of them, hadn't they? We read about them in the New Testament. He healed those who were sick. And not only did He heal people who were sick, He was able to take people who had been born with some kind of a deformity. They had never been well. And he was able to recreate their bodies in, a, in the way that they were well. A man who had been born crippled, he was able to, to heal him and then say, get up and walk. When you and I were 18 months old, if our parents said, walk, did that work? How did that work out for any of you? Do you remember? We had to learn how to walk, didn't we? But Jesus looked at a man who had been born crippled. He healed him and he said, get up and walk. And he did it. He got up and he walked around. He didn't have to learn how to do it. That's who the Lord was. And that's the kind of miracles these folks saw. They saw Him uh, take just a few small loaves of bread and a few small fishes. Break it up. Bless it. Break it up. Hand it out to the disciples and feed a few thousand people. They had seen miracles, hadn't they? They had seen His love. People who hated Jesus, He still turned around and He smiled at them and He loved them. And He welcomed them to come into His presence. He loved little children. He loved adults. He loved older people. It didn't matter. So they, they could be talking about this as they're walking along. They talked, I'm sure, of His power, the authority that He had, the promises that He had made. I'm sure they also talked about the accusations that they'd heard in the last few days. They knew Jesus. They knew that He was perfect. They knew that He was sinless. They knew that He was a man of love. And yet they had heard the religious leaders around them accuse Him of, of terrible atrocities. They'd say they had seen people who had welcomed him just a few days earlier to come into Jerusalem, claiming, recognizing he's the Messiah. He's the one who's come to deliver us. He's going to set up the kingdom. And just within a few days, he heard them saying, Crucify him. We don't want him. Crucify him. Let a murderer go instead. They had heard these kinds of things. And so I'm sure they talked about that. All that treachery, it was fresh in their minds. They talked about his arrest, his trial. They may have even been there and seen His crucifixion. An awful thing to watch for one who had shown so much love to everyone else. And they're talking about these things. And I'm sure as they're, as they're walking along, they're also talking about all those unfulfilled expectations. They thought Jesus was going to set up a kingdom. They thought He was going to be victorious over everything. And now, they see Him dead. They see Him buried in a tomb. And now they're hearing that Mary Magdalene went to anoint his body and it was gone. It's not there. And so they're, they're confused. They don't understand what's going on. Would we have understood? Mary herself didn't understand because even though the Lord had told them, I'm going to die. I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take it up again. On the third day, I'm going to rise. And yet when Mary Magdalene went to anoint his body and she looked in the tomb and his body wasn't there, what was the first thing she thought? Well, he rose from the dead. No, that's not what Scripture says. The first thing she thought was somebody stole his body. And I'm not sure any of us would have thought anything different, right? 
Because humans can be kind of dense sometimes. Even Jesus' disciples, His followers, we can be dense. But I'm sure they were talking about these things. And verse 15 says that while they communed, that is, while they were talking amongst themselves, having this conversation, and while they reasoned, uh, the idea there is they were investigating. They weren't just recounting facts. They were mulling this over. Like, what really happened? Now let's understand this. We do that sometimes, don't we? Like, at the end of the day, we sit and talk and say, wow, it's a busy day. What went wrong today? Or what went right? How can we make this better? How can we do more of the good stuff? But as they, as they communed with each other and they reasoned, it says Jesus Himself joined them. Now, they're not just as they're walking along, as I said, they're not just recounting events, but they're studying them in, in fine detail, trying to figure out what's been happening, what has gone on in the last few days. Did we miss something? What? I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't understand this. And they're very discouraged. And Jesus walks along beside them, and they just thought he was a fellow traveler. Uh, we see that in verse 16. The supernatural thing is, we're told that their eyes were holding that they should not know him. That would have been, we might have thought, well, it'd be great if he had told them who he was right off the bat, but Jesus had more to teach these folks. He could see they were discouraged. He knew they were hurting. He knew they didn't understand some things. And so for a while, he just walked alongside them and let them talk. And he listened to them. He does that. He's good at that. He listens to us too, doesn't he? Take, we can take comfort in that. We, he's always accessible to us. We can always talk to him. Verse 17, Jesus asked him, he said, what are you talking about that makes you so sad? They think he's just a fellow traveler, somebody else for a walk from Jerusalem in the direction of Emmaus. And he says, why in the world? What are you talking about that makes you so sad? You ever have somebody come up to you and ask you that same question? What, what's wrong? Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to encourage you? Let me ask the question in a different way. Do you ever walk up to someone else and say, why do you look so sad? Is there anything I can do to help you today? There was, a, there was a TV show that we, we watched a little bit of until we realized just how foul it was a while back and there was a character on there and his thing was, what can I do to help? What can I do to help you today? And I think that's a, that's a nice Christian attitude, isn't it? What can I do? And that's, Essentially, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, what, what are you talking about that makes you so sad? You see, they lost their fire. They lost that excitement of being a Christian, of being a believer. The, the events that had taken place had so sucked the life out of them. It had sucked that, that excitement away and that they'd lost their fire for a time. Cleopas in verse 18 says, well, how could you not know what it is? It's made, you just came from Jerusalem. Is it possible you're just passing through Jerusalem and you don't know what's happened there for the last few days? If you did know what had happened for the last few days, how, why wouldn't you be sad too? You know, how could you not know? And I like it. Jesus' response. How could you not know these things? Jesus said, what things? Tell me about it. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's bothering you. Now these two are they're dejected, they're they're discouraged. And here's this guy beside him saying, Tell me about it. And I'm sure there's a spring in his step. It shouldn't have, should have lightened their countenance a little bit. And so what did they do? They start talking. They said uh, they started telling them the news about Jesus of Nazareth. They made sure he knew who they were talking about. Jesus of Nazareth. They said he was a prophet. They said he was mighty. In word and deed. And he was, wasn't he? The words that could bring someone back to life. The words that could heal someone. Just the words. He didn't have to do anything. When, uh, when Lazarus had been laying in the tomb for four days, what did Jesus do? Well, he went in there and he made some preparations and he, 
he had some medicines and some salves and he anointed his body. And all. No, 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 no. He just stood outside and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And it's been said that if he hadn't said Lazarus, everybody around who was dead would have gotten up out of their graves. And I think that's probably true, don't you? Just his words. He was powerful in words and in deeds and all the things he did. And the disciples not only said that he was mighty in word and deed, they said before God and all the people. It's, in, it's, it's important that we realize that the things that Jesus did, they were before God. He sees everything we do. They, he was mighty in word and deed before the people do. He didn't do anything in secret. Whatever He did, there were always crowds around watching. It was very difficult, if you read through the Gospels, for Jesus to ever find a time when He could just have some peace. When He could just pray alone. Every time He tried, there would be people. That, they'd see Him. They would know where He was and they would flock to Him. A testament again to his uh, ministry. So nothing he did was hidden. Verse 20, they said the, the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Even with these mighty works that he had done, even with his honest, holy life, they delivered him to be crucified. Isn't that interesting? The chief priests and the rulers in Israel. You know what one of their main jobs would have been? To protect the innocent. Did they protect the innocent in that case? No, they did not. They hounded him. They found false witnesses, or tried to, to condemn him. They didn't try to protect him at all, did they? I see a parallel there. With There's this little rabbit trail we could go down. We have government officials who are supposed to protect the innocent, and they're not. Are they? In too many cases, how many babies are killed outright before they draw their first breath? That's a rabbit trail we won't go down. But these religious leaders were supposed to protect the innocent, but they didn't in Jesus' case. Verse 21, the disciples are, are telling uh, Jesus, we trusted or, or we expected Him to be Israel's Redeemer, our Messiah, our Deliverer. And it's been three days since all this happened, since He died. They're still grieving. It's been three days. Verses 22 and 23, it says, they essentially said to top it all off, some of the women went to the grave this morning. They found it empty. And we don't really know what that means. They claim they saw angels that said Jesus was alive. But we're not sure. We haven't seen Him. So we're just going back to Emmaus. And we've just been talking this over. And that's why we're so sad. You know, they're giving Him this, this. This is why we look so sad to you. Verse 24. They said then others went. Other ones of our, our group, they went. And they found the tomb empty too. But... Nobody said, saw Jesus. We don't know where He is. We don't know where His body is. You know the saddest, one of the saddest parts, I guess, of this passage is, if you look through all of the Gospels, you see people that went to the tomb looking for a dead Savior. His body wasn't there, and they spent a lot of time trying to figure out where His body was. The angels told them He's alive. He's, gone, he's going to meet you in Galilee, like, by the way, He told you He would do when He rose. But there's nothing in any of these Gospels that where you read about anyone going around trying to find the living Jesus. They just didn't seem to understand that He was alive. They're still looking for His dead body somewhere. But then again, would we have, would we have done any better, really? I'm not sure we would have. Just, just think about it. Can you sense what their disappointment would have been? They, uh, we don't know how long these two people, Cleopas and his companion, we don't know how long they had been disciples of Jesus, but I don't think it would have taken long 
for them to have bonded very closely with him because that's who he was. He bonded with people. He drew people to himself. Uh, so for some period of time they had followed him. They would seen his works. Maybe they had seen. Maybe they had been there today when he called Lazarus out of the grave. Maybe they had seen him feed several thousand people with what we would call just a few morsels, a snack. Maybe they would seen those. Maybe he'd, they'd seen other healings. We, we don't know. But likely as not, they had witnessed his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. They'd probably seen the crowds of people praising him, worshiping him, essentially. They'd experienced, though, also his betrayal. They had experienced his arrest. They had been in and around Jerusalem when he was unlawfully convicted and put on trial. There are many aspects of his trial that were just purely illegal, both from a Jewish legal perspective and a Roman uh, legal perspective. They had, uh, they had been there when he was crucified. Whether they were actually there at Golgotha or not, we don't know, but they certainly knew that he was crucified. They knew he had died. They knew he had been buried. And that's what they were focusing on. That much they knew. They didn't know where his body was. And they didn't seem to know that he was alive. But they knew this much. They were very discouraged. It's hard to imagine what the past three days had been like for them. And so at this point, they're very disheartened. They are extremely disillusioned. And they're leaving Jerusalem and headed back home. Because they don't know what to do with that pain. And so they're walking along the road. They're relaying these things, as people do. When when someone dies, uh, often, whether it's at a funeral home or at, at someone's house, people get together and they talk about, you remember... You remember when the deceased did this? You remember that fishing trip we took? You remember last Christmas? That's the kind of conversation they're having. You remember when Jesus did this? You remember that time when Peter asked him that really dumb question and he didn't chastise him? He just he just told him the answer that he had already told him 16 times already? Do you remember that? Yeah, that's the kind of conversation they're having. And then Jesus speaks and he says, Fools... Um, that literally, that doesn't, in English, that doesn't translate well. It comes out that that's a, a derogatory statement. But really, what it really means in the original language is, those you who lack understanding, you, I don't know, I don't know a really good way to say it. You uneducated ones, or whatever. You, you just don't understand the truth, is how he's addressing them. He said, and he called them the slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know, we looked at Isaiah earlier today in his prophecies. There's enough in, in Isaiah chapter 53 enough alone to have told them what to expect from the Messiah. And there's so much more in the Old Testament. He said, uh, shouldn't Christ or the Redeemer, the Messiah, shouldn't He have suffered the way you just described? What, isn't that what the, the Scriptures told us would happen? And so then in verse 27, we say that uh, Jesus started at Moses and He went through the Hebrew Scriptures teaching all the information that pointed to Himself. I'm going to tell you something. This is a picture of patience. As they're walking along, he starts at Moses in the Old Testament in the, the first five books of the Bible when he goes through everything, all the prophets and everything. Do you know that there's some 300 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament that were all fulfilled by Jesus in his life? That's a picture of patience. He's already taught these folks, his disciples, much of this in the past. They, they've heard it. They, they, but they've taken their eyes off their Savior at this point, and He's having to remind them of it. See, ever have to do that to any of us? I'll raise my hand. He certainly has had to remind me of things. He's had to teach me things over and over again. Ask my wife. 
Ask my daughters. They'll tell you I'm a dense person sometimes. You have to tell me things more than one time. And so he's, he's going over these things with them again. Why? Why would he do this? Because they need to hear it again. That's the only reason Jesus needs. Why is the Lord so patient with us? Because we need him to be. And so he, he, he goes over again and again. Verses 28 and 29 say that uh, they reach Emmaus, their, their hometown. Jesus acted like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on down the road. I'm, I'm not stopping in Emmaus. And they constrained him to stay with them. They said, it's late in the day. Come on, it's, it's getting close to supper time. Stay with us. And so we agreed. And at this point, I think Jesus started to see a spark of what it used to be to be a disciple. What are they doing? They're showing hospitality. Isn't that what He had taught His disciples to do? <coughs> Excuse me. Putting other people's needs first. They were being a service to the Lord. They didn't know it was Him. But they had finally taken their eyes off of their problems and started acting like disciples. Don't we need to do that? He agreed to stay with them. <coughs> he said, okay, I'll stay. I'll have supper with you. By the way, Jesus will never turn down an invitation if you invite Him to come into your home. He will be there for you. So they sat down to eat. And we're told that Jesus took bread and He blessed it and He broke it and He gave it to them. I believe they've seen Him do that before. And then they recognized Him. Verse 31 says their eyes were opened. They recognized who He was. And then He vanished. And I want you to note their response. I like this. Did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us, by the way? While He opened to us the Scriptures? The gist of that statement is, how could we have missed that that was the Lord walking along with us? How in the world did we not see it? Verse 33 says, the same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven and the, the other disciples that were hanging around with the, the apostles. They found them and they found out that Peter had seen the Lord as well. Okay, now more and more of us have actually seen the Lord alive. And they shared their story with the, uh, the apostles and the others there. At this point, the gloom has been displaced by joy. Their defeat has been turned to victory. They're coming back to themselves a little bit at this point. Now, that's, the, that's what happened that day to these two apostles. Let's talk about now an application. For, for some period of time here, these two disciples of Jesus had lost their way. They'd taken their, ways, their eyes off the Lord. Their hopes had been dashed. But the good news was, Jesus was not defeated. He was not defeated. He had died, but He wasn't defeated. He had died as a sacrifice for their sins and He had risen again just like He said He would. He took their sins. Our daughter sent us a, a text, or sent Robin a text the other, I guess it was yesterday, said our, our four-year-old grandson was talking to his sister and he was telling her about, the, about Jesus. And his thing, was, he put it this way, he said, Jesus took our sins because he didn't have any of his own. Now that's not the inspired word of God, but that's some pretty inspiring words, aren't they? He took our sins because he didn't have any of his own. Now these, these disciples, they were understandably disheartened. Maybe they were afraid. Think about it. Had you been one of Jesus' disciples? 
Would you be looking around every corner to see if the chief priests were looking for you now? Ah, there's another one of them. Round them up. Let's put them on a cross too. So they, there's a potential that they, they may have been afraid for their lives too. We can imagine their confusion over the events that had just happened. You're like, didn't, uh, didn't we see the miracles? We did see that, right? We saw. We were there when He called Lazarus out of the grave, right? Did we miss something? And now He's dead. Imagine their disillusionment. Were we wrong about Jesus after all? As they're walking down the road, they're thinking about these things before Jesus met them. Their disorientation. Like, what do we do now? Don't we get that way? Sometimes when we get so discouraged, what do we do now? I'll tell you what we do now. We continue to look to the Lord, don't we? Because He always hears us. And He'll always come alongside us. They lost the fire in their hearts, but the embers were still there, weren't they? It was still a glowing, <clears throat> a glowing ember. They were smoldering. They had been dampened by recent events. And that's what the, the devil wants to do to us, isn't it? He wants to put the fire out completely in our hearts. He wants to douse that fire. <clears throat> we lose the fire when we lose our focus. When we focus too much on bad news. When we focus too much on disappointing events. Disappointments. Unexpected bends in the road, some people would refer to it. And we can lose our sight for a time. We can lose our perspective. It's a result of uh, focusing on our circumstances instead of on our Savior. That's the important thing to remember. He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was raised, or He rose again from the dead on the third day. Again. After being buried again according to the Scriptures. But that's what we've got to keep our minds on. We have to remember that, again, just like they needed to remember, Jesus is not defeated. We can be very much defeated. The world we live in can be very sinful, but we don't have to be because our Savior is not defeated. We just temporarily... Sorry about that. We temporarily lose sight of that fact sometimes, don't we? You remember what the psalm says? Beautiful psalm. Turn your eyes unto Jesus or upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And when you do that, what does the song say? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You don't see those as much anymore in the light of His glory and grace. See, as the two disciples were walking along, they talked, what did they do? They talked to each other about Jesus. They reminded themselves of all the things He had done, all those wonderful things. Maybe they tried to cheer themselves up by talking about Jesus. But it didn't bring the fire back when they talked about Jesus. No matter what they did, it didn't bring the fire back to them. It's no good trying to, to fake fire, is it? Someone has said that a painted fire never warmed anybody. And they could have been trying to, to paint, to, to build that fire back up. But it didn't work. They didn't have the ability to do it themselves. Even as they walked along, they even tried talking to Jesus, didn't they? Not just about Him, but He's walking alongside Him and they're talking to Him. They rehearsed all the recent events. They rehearsed the works He had done. All of those kinds of things. But it still didn't bring the fire back. But something changed when Jesus talked to them. When He spoke to them, didn't it? He expounded the Scriptures to them. He went over those Old Testament principles, those Old Testament prophecies again and again. He patiently taught them again the things they needed to hear. He does that to us. When we desperately need Him, He will remind us of things. He sent the Holy Spirit to remind us of all the things He taught. 
during his earthly ministry. I think what he did, those embers of that fire were still there, and he gently breathed the breath of God on those embers. And what happened? They burst into flame again. These men got their excitement back. And they went, it says that they didn't waste any time. They went to Jerusalem. we got to go tell some people Jesus is alive. So the fire is burning again. But it was only Jesus speaking to them that rekindled the fire. We need Him to speak to us. That's what we need churches in America. Verse 32, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while He talked to us by the way? When He opened to us the Scriptures, it was then they had that courage to go back to Jerusalem and face whatever the chief priests or the scribes or the Pharisees or Roman guards, whatever. They knew Jesus was alive at that point. There was no doubt in their minds. That fire was burning brightly. Defeat had been replaced by victory. So here's the secret of having a victory or having the fire rekindled in our lives. It's not just talking about Jesus. That's good. We love to talk about Him, don't we? We love to share what we know about Jesus with other people. It's not just talking to Jesus. That's really good too. We do that in prayer, don't we? And He's always ready to hear. The secret is listening to Him and letting Him talk to us. G. Campbell Morgan, he's a, a preacher of a, uh, a British preacher of a different generation. He said this. He says, cease petitions sometimes. Cease praise sometimes. Cease your questioning every now and then. And listen. Listen to the Lord. Sometimes it's good to pray. It's good to, to talk to the Lord. It's good to talk about the Lord. But he says, shh, sometimes. Just listen and let the Lord talk to you. And we can do that when we pray. We can do that when we read the Word of God and we can allow the Lord to talk to us. And then all those things in the world that defeat us, that, that start to douse the fire, they start to become strangely dim, don't they? We don't see those anymore. We see the, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a response to something like that is, listening is hard. You ever hear your kids say that? You need to listen to me. Listening is hard. i got things to do. I've got places I want to be. i got things that, that need to happen. But you know what? We have to make the effort to listen to the Lord if we want the fire rekindled. Some people would say, call it the fire of revival, wouldn't they? We just need the fire of the Lord to be back in us. We don't need dying embers. We, we got a living Savior that we, can, uh, that we can pray to and that we can commune with. We don't need to be discouraged, no matter what's going on in the world around us. These disciples, they didn't need to be discouraged. They heard before they left Jerusalem all they needed to know. The angel had said, He's alive. He told you before He died He would meet you in Galilee. Why are you going to Emmaus? Galilee's the other way. Go there. He said He would meet you there. But they didn't. We have to be careful that we don't either. That we don't go in a different direction. We might get discouraged. But we need to go to where the Lord is. Not someplace else. And expect Him to come alongside us just because we went in the wrong direction. He will do that from time to time. Think of the blessings that we might lose if we're going in the wrong direction instead of going straight to the Lord when we have our problems. If you would bow with me. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, let's invite the Lord to speak to us and then let's listen to Him. 
If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you've never trusted Christ, you can have the fire of God in your heart too. You can have it today. Turn away from your sin. Turn to a Savior who paid the price for you. He paid the price of God's righteous judgment against your sin. He wants you to come to Him and be saved today. So I'd invite you to do that. He wants you to come for cleansing and for eternal life in His family. So I would ask you today, would you trust Him today? Would you do that? Couldn't be a couldn't possibly be a better day to trust Christ than on Easter Sunday. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together again. Thank you for letting us look into your Word. Thank you, Lord, for the example of these two disciples that followed uh, the Lord Jesus Christ during his ministry. They had seen his conviction, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and they lost sight of the promises of Scripture for a time. The fire may have uh, not been burning brightly in their in their hearts anymore. It may have just been embers, but just walking alongside Jesus and listening to Him teach of what He had taught them before, just reminding them, it, it brought those embers back. And as, as the Lord Jesus breathed the breath of God on those embers, they burst back into flame. And we thank You so much for that. We thank You that they got their excitement back. Father, we pray that You might do the same for us as Christians. When the world discourages us, when we take our eyes off of You, we pray, Father, that You might allow the Holy Spirit just to remind us the things that, that we've been taught in Scripture, the knowledge that we serve a risen Savior, one who is now seated by the right hand of God and who ever lives to make intercession for us. Remind us of those things, Lord, that You might rekindle that fire in our hearts. If there's anyone here today who's never trusted Jesus as Savior, Father, I don't know their spiritual condition, but you do, and they do. And I pray, Lord, that you might touch their hearts. I pray that you might show them today clearly that Jesus died for them uh, to pay their sin debt, and they can be saved. They can know today that they have eternal life in His name. And we just pray that you might move among us in that way. Guide us, Father, as only you can. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.